Dear listener, if you're still out there, it has been 500 days and I have still not found the writer's nook. I begin to suspect it is a myth. I am on my last rations of food. This may be my last entry. Hello and welcome to the writer's nook. I am your host, Caleb Chandler. And I'm your other host, Josh. This episode, we'll be looking at the sequel to my story from the first episode, as well as a song by Mason Zagoda, a poem by Tammy Taylor, and a spoken word by Sam Hebert, but not in that order. So, first up, we have the continued misadventures of the man we were first introduced to in Crunch. Music for the Spheres, by Caleb Chandler, read by the author. I'm not an expert on diplomacy, but even I know it's better for everyone if nobody winds up dead when making first contact. It makes things awkward. I was starting to get the feeling that death was following me around. I suppose I've had worse friends, but as this one had unceremoniously taken Gilbert's place, it now held top spot. After the incident with the reptiles, Frank and I got reassigned to this rock. I never really had a problem with Frank. I mean, he liked country music, but we've all got our faults. Today, that flaw had proved fatal. One could make a case that it was my fault, but how was I to know those flying marbles didn't understand sarcasm? I suppose a creature with no ears or mouth has to communicate somehow, but telepathy gives me the creeps. The spheres just hang there, listening to everything you think. The species feeds off sound waves like a plant uses the sun to make food, or at least I think that's what Frank said. His scientific explanations were as dull as the minds of the people who wrote those awful songs he was so fond of. Like with those songs, I had learned to tune him out to stop my brain from melting. But that's a poor choice of words. Frank and I had climbed into one of the circular tunnels that led to the purple fungus which feeds them as they sleep by emitting a low hum. As I asked Frank what he thought the creatures were, the one closest to where I was standing shuddered and began to turn black. That's when it started thinking at us. We both jumped as an inaudible yelp of pain rang out in our brains and the sphere barreled past us down the tunnel. I thought that was a bit of an overreaction. My voice couldn't be that bad. I hadn't meant to injure it. I didn't know it well enough to want to yet. It seems the marble picked up on this thought, since it suddenly rolled back toward us and began to hover at about eye level. I tried thinking an apology at it, but just then Frank reached for that sinister device he uses to inflict his so-called music on others. No need to kill it, Frank, I thought to myself. Isn't this supposed to be a peaceful mission? That's when that stupid marble panicked. A few seconds later, smoke was coming out of Frank's head. There goes my job. Thanks a lot, Frank. I thought we were friends. That was Music for the Spheres. Hope you enjoyed it, obviously, since I wrote it. Up next is a poem by Tammy Taylor, so stay tuned for that. Battling Anxiety A poem by Tammy Taylor Read by Caleb Chandler I walk down the corridors of whispers in my mind Anxieties which haunt me, with shackles they would bind. I grab my sword, take up my shield, and battle it, sometimes. But soon they beckon yet again with loud, insistent chimes. I would have peace, I cry. K 
cast my burdens on the Lord. Remember God is sovereign, and not forget my sword. When next my fears assail me, weighing on my chest, cast, O oh, cast your cares, my soul, and in the Lord find rest. Well, that's about enough of my voice for a while. Up next is Homeroom Baby by Mason Zagoda. It's about two and a half minutes long, so you have the time. Listen. Zagoda. Her album Black and White is out now on iTunes and Spotify. We have her on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So, first question, how long have you been writing music? Mm. Um, well, I started playing guitar when I was 11 years old and played it for about a year and Taylor Swift came out with her Fearless record. And I remember listening to that record over and over again and thinking, wow, I really wish I could write something that expresses my feelings the way that these songs express my feelings for me. Um, and then I said, well, I can play four chords on the guitar, so why don't I write a song? And I did. And it ended up actually being the second song on my record. Um, I kept the same chorus I wrote when I was 12 years old and then rewrote all the rest of it. So I've been writing ever since then. 
you mentioned Taylor Swift. What are what would you consider your musical influences? Like, which people do you most draw from, inspiration-wise, when you write? Mm-hmm. So, on my record, a lot of those songs I wrote when I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, and so a lot of those are inspired by Taylor Swift and others like her. Um, but more recently, in the past couple years. I adore anything from the 60s, and those people inspire me so much. Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez, um, even the Beach Boys. Um, I'm also really inspired by punk rock bands like the Ramones. Those songs are a lot like pop songs. They're four chords, they're catchy, but they're just sped up and played harder and faster. So when you break them down, they're they're actually really great um, pop sounding songs. And I didn't realize it, but from listening to all that music, it really started to become imbued into the way that I wrote. And so when we produced the record, we tried to bring those um, harder, uh, more rock influences out in the full band tracks. So those are definitely some of my inspirations when it comes to musical style. Now, this song is new. It's not on your album. Now, what I was, just for the audience, what is the, if you don't mind going into it, what is the backstory of this song and when did you write it? I wrote this song um, last summer and really I was just sitting on my bed I think I might have been watching Netflix or something, and the idea for the song popped into my head. This, this idea of, um, you know, I think every person has experienced being in class and having this person who you have some huge crush on, and you only ever see them in class, and because you only ever see them in class, you never actually get the chance to really talk to them or get to know them, um, but you're just super into them, and I wanted to write a song about it. For some reason, ukulele is my cute song instrument when I'm writing on my guitar and finger picking I'm much more intent about creating something more like poetry uh, you know evoking you know communicating something with every line but ukulele just makes me want to write fun songs that are cute and happy so that's where it came from great and I can tell you from experience totally not relatable at all okay <laughs> fine fine yeah yeah it happens. <laughs> <laughs> You've been writing music for a few years now. What is it that inspires you? What keeps you writing more songs and why do you do it? Um, regarding why I do it, I write music because I have to, truly. Um, I'm someone who finds it very difficult to express how I feel uh, in words. Uh, you know, talking, but for some reason, music gives me this sort of outlet to just discuss how I feel and what I think. Um, you know, it, it opens doors, I think. Um, what keeps me writing is really just life and the things that happen to me, like I said, the things that I think and feel. I actually write a lot about my friends and experiences that they go through. I'm someone who's fiercely loyal in relationships, and so when my friends go through something, it's like I'm going through it. On on the record, uh, there's a song called Rebecca's Song, and I wrote it for my best friend in high school. She went through a really sad breakup, 
basically uh, the two just parted ways because they were both going off to college and just decided it wasn't meant to be a long distance thing. And she sat with me in my bed and just sort of explained to me everything that she was thinking and feeling about it. And I just sort of sat there. Like I said, I'm terrible at communication like that. So I didn't say anything. And when she was done, she was just like, okay, let's watch Netflix. But I still wanted to give her as her friend something to uh, help her feel her feelings. And so the next week, I think the power went out at my house and I just sat by the light of a candle and I wrote that song for her. And um, so definitely the people I love and what they go through inspired me to write. And then as well, just things that happened to me. Great. Yeah, music can be really powerful. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Once again, you can find her album Black and White on iTunes and Spotify, so do go check that out. Finally, we have a five-minute spoken word by Sam Hebert called Secret Life. He sprawled out and passed out on a couch in the middle of this neat yet broken house. Arms dangling at his sides, they spring to life as the bell in his head rings. Ding, 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 the boxing match between his brain and his eyes begin to weigh in, still a bit dazed from last night's knockout. The bitter taste of defeat still in his mouth. If every sip was a new round, then he fought his heart out. He drinks every day to hide his pain. He wears a hoodie on sunny days, long sleeves to cover the tracks he's made. His knife paves the way twice a day. Scars outline every vein for every name he's been called at school. But those words cut deeper than his knife. Teens can be so cruel, cold as ice. Their insecurity gives fuels to their lies. He just wants to be liked, loved. He's afraid to tell his dad. He just won't understand. Grow up, son, be a man. But he knows that dad's definition of man means using your hands. Every argument his parents have goes something like a tennis match, forehand, backhand. His mom never stood a chance. And he remembers the first fight, the day he turned five. His gift? His dad turned to him and said, here son, take a sip. It was the first taste of vodka on his lips. Then his mother gave his dad lip and it was the first taste of blood on her lips and the first taste of false hope on the brim of this boy's wish to be loved and protected by the man he now needs protection from. It's a living hell every time his dad is sober enough to come home and yell. The smell of blood, sweat, and tears, but you will find no glory here. Blood from the bar fight, sweat from sulking in his own laziness, and tears from drunken memories or things he would have done differently. Yeah, no glory here. Just a lifeless, living body coated in beer. It's a familiar scent. An expensive cologne that often blew through the rent. This kid smells his dad from a mile away, knowing he is coming home to start his normal routine. Grab another drink. Not even noticing half the bottle is already missing from his son, who just turned 15 and is immune to the burn of brandy, already poisoning his spleen. His mom walks in, still hoping her husband would be sober just one more time. She dreams of the old times of laughter, hope, love. But that man she married is no longer alive. Just the shell of a man that really looks no better on the outside. He's not even trying to hide. What did you do to the TV? 
This is the only thing his father thinks worthy of responsibility. An argument follows with endless threatening. I'm going to leave. I'm really going to leave. Mom still cries even though she knows it's a lie. She spits the words out in a choked up reply. It's fine by me. It's fine by me. All this in front of this broken teen who grew up with this as his reality. The poor boy can't take it anymore. He shuts his door and pulls a knife out from the drawer, rolls his sleeves up, cutting deeper into his misery. His blood drops in harmony with his tears, painting the floor with angry red that's cleansed with innocent salt water shed. If I cut deeper, it'll all end. This is what he says. His fear saves him in the end as he fights to die another day. Maybe that day is tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow he will escape sorrow and live free in the next life, except he doesn't know what that is. He fears the unknown. It's what keeps the knife from cutting to the bone. If there's a God, why am I alone? He cries as he drinks to his tears. You see, he's never been told that he's loved. He's never been told that Jesus is enough, that he has a Father in heaven who displays unconditional love. And so often Christians pass this kid by, writing him off as a lost cause, too dangerous to waste of time. You see, I guess the commission to make disciples of all nations only applies to the nice, clean, innocent, talkative ones who won't challenge theology like a Pharisee, hate Jesus like a Sadducee, or persecute Christians like the Romans, Jews, and everyone who watched and mocked as our Savior hung on the tree. No, no, that's too scary. It's best to stick to the innocent ones. The ones who talk to you privately and ask about God. This is safe and easy. While these church kids are sleeping with their safe and easy lives, he is fearing the sunrise. It strikes his eyes like an alarm clock. His head knocks back and forth again as he stumbles out of bed, puts his church clothes on, and continues another depressing day being persecuted by the ones that are supposedly saved. All right, that was Sam Hebert with Secret Life. We have him here again in studio to do another interview. So, uh, how's it going? Good. I'm just glad to be back on uh, on this podcast. I had a really had a really fun time last time sharing that song with you guys, and a lot of fun sharing this spoken word. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, here's a question. Uh, is there any difference in your writing process between mm. your spoken word and when you write for your music? Uh, you know, actually, writing spoken word was actually inspired by a song I was writing at the time. And I think the song I was writing, I just had, I really liked the lyrics, but I hated the music behind it. And so I decided to turn it into a spoken word after I watched the spoken word video. And um, I realized there's a lot more freedom in writing spoken word because you don't have to worry about the music behind it. It's all in the um, acting and the voice um, variations that you use to portray certain lines certain ways. So I would say in the sense of the emotion and stuff like that, it should be no different. But um, in the amount of freedom that you have a spoken word, you don't have to time it as well. Um, there's just more freedom to do whatever you want there. Um, so I would say there's more freedom. That's what I like about it. Okay, uh, what inspired this spoken word in particular? Yeah, so I titled this one Secret Life for a reason because I think uh, a lot of times this, this poem is for uh, the Christian. This is for the Christian who is uh, maybe scared to share his faith, uh, scared to reach out to somebody, or just too arrogant and prideful to reach out to somebody who's you know, not necessarily popular or maybe 
um, hard to deal with because, you know, how many times in a, in a church setting, you know, and I'm guilty of this as well, in like a youth setting when I was in high school, how many times do we see a new kid walk in and just kind of either not want to get to know him, not want to spend that time or just want to ignore him? Um, and so this, this spoken word is about that kid who comes in the church and nobody knows and he has this whole secret life, this terrible, terrible life behind him and no one knows about it because no one makes the effort to get to know him. And so it's kind of a, it's a, it's a spoken word to, to be the voice for those kids, but also to um, convict and challenge us as believers to reach out and, and to make disciples of all nations, um, not just our little friend groups that we, we create. And this is a spoken word to myself even. It's a challenge to myself as well. And so that's what really inspired this uh, spoken word. Well, yeah, it sounds very, in some ways, similar thematically to the, the song too. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's always good when you know the author. Uh, you can kind of see the author through his work. Yeah, you know, and and I think you you feel the author more when you hear more from his personal story, um, and when he uses his personal story to also reach others. Um, and I'm you know I'm not here to say that I'm like a great author or whatever, but I I just try to. Um, make everything on a personal level so people can understand it. And even if they haven't been through what I've been through, they can understand where I'm coming from. Um, if they have, then I'm reaching to them too. And so um, it's something that the Lord has really given me a desire to do is to reach people on a personal level with my writing. And, you know, I really hope I, c I can do that for his glory. Yeah. And cool. I appreciate venues like this where yeah. I can share that stuff. So I appreciate you guys having me on the show again. It's really yeah. fun. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for, uh, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Writer's Nook. If you have a song, poem, short story, or other creative work, please submit it to us at our email address, thewritersnookpodcast at gmail.com. The Writer's Nook is protected under a Creative Commons license. Be a friend and don't pretend you wrote our stuff.